Welcome to Aftersight, your home for stories for people just like you. Your vision loss journey isn't something to be ashamed of. Take a listen. And that's the main thing I remember learning when I was taught the slack line when I still had vision is don't look at the line below you, but look at your anchor point that's solid ahead of you. If you want me to cook your dinner, you have to put somewhere to go. <laughs> and I suppose part of this was also my own trying to figure out who I was and how to be in the world in this very new way. Prop, I would say a potted plant because I get sad when the flowers would like wilt, mm. you know, oh. eventually. I'm going to say fresh cut flowers because then I don't have to worry about killing a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at taking care of These people all have the same thing in common. You. Their stories are for your encouragement, your determination, and your inspiration. This is Aftersight. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Aftersight. I'm your host, Penn Street, and I hope your week you know, has been going well. Mine has actually been pretty smooth. The temperature here has been in the single digits for quite a few days, tons and tons of snow here in Colorado, but this weekend looks like the... Um, like it's going to be going up, which is where it should be this time of year. Um, the good thing about it being so cold, my guide dog Beethoven does go out and do his business quicker than ever, which is always nice. I don't have to stand out in the frigid cold. I am looking forward to getting my cast off in about 10 days on my left wrist so that I can get back up and actually be skiing in all this snow instead of just being tromping around in it. So Today's guest, um, I met Chris uh, last last summer, actually, and um, I can't wait for him to share everything that he's going to share with us today. Chris Peterson is the president and CEO from a nonprofit called Penny Forward. Chris and his team are providing financial skills and counseling to people with disabilities so that we, and I say we because I am one of those people, we can have the financial stability and growth that non the not people that live in the non-disabled community have. So I'm so, so excited to have Chris here today um, to dive into everything that his nonprofit is doing. Um, because we all need to learn these skills, regardless if you have a disability or not. So stay tuned. Do not go away. And Chris will join us in just a few minutes. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit aincolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Chris, welcome to Aftersight. Thank you, Penn. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where are you? Are you in this cold or are you someplace warm? I am in Minnesota in in oh. the cold. <laughs> We got uh, around a foot of snow over the last two days. Um, my kids had uh, had uh, their school closed and they were doing e-learning days for the last two days. And uh, we are in the negative single digits right now, but oh. we're also supposed to get warm weather, uh, warm being in the 30s yeah. uh, over the weekend. And the sun is shining today, which is really nice. Uh, um, that's a... 
uh, something I really enjoy this time of year. It makes it feel a little bit warmer than it yes. actually is. Absolutely. We, I have a coworker, Lauren, who's from Minnesota. So when any of us complain about how cold it is, she goes, oh, you don't know what cold is. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, welcome to Afterside. I'm so excited to have you here today. And at the top of the show, I always like to do some kind of rapid fire questions so that the audience gets to know you a little bit um, outside of your work uh, before we dive into Penny forward. Is that all right? Yeah. Awesome. So Chris, if your local cafe named a sandwich after you, what would it be? And what would it, what would it have on it? (laughs) (laughs) I was not prepared for that question at all. Um, I, I think it would probably, uh, I can, I can talk about what it would have on it. Definitely. Okay. Um, Okay. It would have every kind of meat imaginable. Oh, um, and it would probably have a fried egg and several different kinds of cheese. I love uh, Swiss pepper jack, provolone, um, and uh, you know this would be a variation on a burger. I'm pretty sure. Wow! Um, and it would be hard to fit it all in your mouth. <laughs> Wow. That, that, and yeah, I know. I don't know what I would call that. We'd have to come up with something crazy. Um, so Chris, would you prefer to walk in the rain or sail in the wind? Definitely sail in the wind. Oh, awesome. Me too. Me too. Chris, when you were 13 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an astronaut or somebody that was an expert in things like rocket propulsion and and space. Ooh. Have you been down to Florida to Cape Canaveral? I never have. It's it's been on my bucket list for years. Oh, you'll have to take your kiddos down there. That's that's an amazing experience. Okay, Chris, I hope I don't stump you with this one because sometimes I do with my guests is if you had a theme song. So when you walked into a room um, or even left a room, that theme song would play. What would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Weird Al Yankovic's White and Nerdy. Oh, my goodness. That's a first. It describes me wonderfully. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, Chris. And Chris, could you share with the audience um, a little bit about your vision journey? You know, were you born blind? Was this something that came on later in life? Yeah, I was born blind. I have Lieber's congenital amaurosis, and I grew up with one sibling, a sister who's also blind and has pretty similar vision to me which I think was a really great experience because uh, I feel like it's really important to know other blind people. And a lot of people don't get to experience that until they're an adult. Um, I was mainstreamed. So I was in the public schools. There are good things and bad things about that. (laughs) I agree. Uh, Yes. um, And I, uh, I was always interested in stuff, you know, lots of lots and lots of different stuff. And I never felt like I shouldn't do something because I was blind or that I couldn't do something because I was blind with the possible exception of sports. Um, sports were not something that I was encouraged to participate in. 
it wasn't something that my family was particularly interested in either. And I was always intimidated by the idea of running and, and physical activity and, and, uh, having, you know, balls that I couldn't hear flying <laughs> at me and hitting me in the face and stuff. So, um, I have recently, within the past 10 years or so, discovered adaptive sports and mm-hmm. have really fallen in love with beep baseball. And, oh, awesome. Um, I'm involved in a blind dart league in, in Minnesota. Uh, I'm also on a blind bowling league. Wow. And uh, uh, got to do some really fun stuff at No Barriers last year. So yes. uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and I recently started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So uh, you know, now I've totally, totally twisted around and I still don't see myself as a sports fan necessarily, but yeah. I am definitely realizing that there were things that I missed out on as a, as a kid. But wow. I did like to build a lot. Um, I, I made a lot of things out of, out of wood, uh, forts, uh, go-karts, vehicles, things like that. Um, I was a ham radio operator from a very early age. So I was always interested in electronics mm. and, and, uh, building electronic things. Uh, computers were a hobby of mine and I learned to program when I was fairly young. Wow. Um, so d- did a, a ton of stuff and, yeah. uh, um, you know, really felt like blindness didn't hold me back in, in much of it. It sure doesn't sound like it. And I agree. My mother was, my mother was visually impaired and, I think that it was so important for me to have a role model uh, growing up and, and, and some things maybe not so great. (laughs) Like I think it was because of her. It took me a long time to sort of embrace my vision loss because she was kind of old school and she was afraid that if people knew I was visually impaired, that they would take advantage of me. And so she kind of taught me all these really amazing tricks and tools and things so that people didn't know that I was visually impaired. And it really wasn't until I went off to college that I realized that that maybe not have been a great thing that she taught me, but it also laid down that foundation for me to really build those skills that I needed, you know, like really be aware of what was going on around me and when people spoke to me to really pay attention. And so she did. So it was like some pros and cons with that. So that's great that you had a sister that you guys could kind of journey through this this life, you know, especially as a kid, I think it's, um, it's great um, to have that community that you had. I, I would love for you to meet um, Evan Starnes who works at, Audio Information Network of Colorado with me. The two of you sound like you have very similar, very similar backgrounds and and you know likes and um, things like that. He's he's a real guru on the tech side here at AINC. So Chris, um, what are some of the things that you like to do outside of work? Outside of work, um, I still am an active ham radio operator. Oh, okay. Uh, I've I've always enjoyed different variations of that. Um I have I have been a lion. Oh, uh, though I'm, I'm not a lion. Currently... <laughs> I'm oh, a lion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh though I'm not currently active in my in my club at the moment. Okay. Um I, again, I I play beep baseball. I uh I bowl, I play darts. Right. Uh, I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
and I have two kids, a three-year-old and an 11-year-old and a uh, wife. So they, they all keep me really busy. Really busy. Um, yeah. Can you explain ham radio to our audience for those who may not know what it, I know what it is, but um, could you kind of give the basic of what that is? Because um, it, it's amazing to me that something that really came about so long ago is still a big part of how we communicate even now. And I don't think people do know much about it. Yeah. So it's, it's almost a podcast episode in itself, but um, back when radio was invented, there was, there was just radio. Um, you didn't have to have a license or anything. And there were uh, people that found it to be really fascinating and some, and, useful and some of those people were people working for companies that found radio to be very useful for things like creating uh, communication lines between ships and mm. at sea and shore and some of them were hobbyists that just liked electronics liked radio and liked the experimentation aspect of it and and also liked sort of the community aspect of hey I can talk to people uh, sometimes really close to me and sometimes hundreds or thousands of miles away. Right. Um, and while I'm doing it, I can also build my own equipment and build my own antennas and, and uh, understand kind of the physics of how the atmosphere causes radio waves to propagate and so forth. Right, right. Well, uh, over time, the radio frequency spectrum got very crowded and the government stepped in and started to license radio operators and create radio services. And one of the services that they created was the amateur radio service. And it was a service specifically designed for these hobbyists to continue to participate in their hobby. But they also recognized that hobbyists sometimes make very valuable contributions to the science and what they call the radio art. Mm -hmm. And so not only is ham radio a way to communicate with people using radio all over the world and to, to make new friends and, and foster international goodwill and things like that, but it's also meant to be a way to allow people that are just interested in fooling around to fool around and see what they can learn in hopes that what they learn and the kinds of things that they create might eventually become useful in other ways like uh, uh, you know in in commercial radio services as an example so right um, that's that's what it is um, and that is pretty self-explanatory in some ways and also pretty confusing in other ways because uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, one person's ham radio is not another person's ham radio. Some people right. really get a kick out of talking to people um, across the world mm. and they'll do that using very large complex antenna systems and very expensive pieces of equipment. Other people really get a kick out of talking to somebody in the next town over and right. they might be able to do that with a fairly small, fairly low power radio system uh, that relies on something called a repeater that picks up a low power uh, signal and and uh, retransmits it at a higher power for for people to pick up over a, a wider area, and uh, and then there are people that are quite technical and really love the aspect of of 
building and working on electronics. I like the technical aspect uh, a lot, um, but I also love the community aspect. You were talking about when I was 13 and, and uh, particularly in junior high and high school, I had a lot of trouble fitting in. Mm. And I didn't have a lot of friends and I had a lot of mental health challenges. And ham radio gave me a way to connect to people that I fit in with. And so for me, the community aspect of it is very important, but I also really do get a kick out of the technical side. Yeah, I think it's great that you shared that because I think a lot of teenagers, regardless of it, if you have a disability or not, but if you do have a disability, I think it's even, I think there's an extra layer of anxiety and stress um, on you. And I think it's awesome that you found this community that kind of helped you get through that, you know, kind of dark time. So that's, that's awesome. And yeah, I have so many friends. I've never done ham radio, but it's always fascinated me. And I think it's, it's awesome that it's still out there and it's, you're right. It was sort of like that original podcast, right? That people communicating on this different level. So that's really cool. Um, Chris, so Penny Forward, um, how did, how did that, first of all, I love the name because Penny is my legal name, (laughs) but Penny Forward, how did the, how did you come up with the name? How did it get started? Can you share a little bit about the history of, of the organization? Sure. So a a few years ago, um, I was getting tired of my day job. Um, I have been a software developer for the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. and I'd worked with a financial planner for almost all of that time because uh, he walked up my driveway and asked if we could have a meeting, you know, when I was about 20, 23 years old and just starting my first job. And I, and I kind of knew that saving and investing were important things to do. Yeah. And I also didn't have any idea how to get started. And so um, I said yes. And it was a really uh, good thing that I did because uh, it sort of piqued my interest in mm. personal finance. So over time... I worked with uh, uh, several different financial planners, and the most recent one had made comments to me about how I was really very knowledgeable compared to most of his clients, and that maybe I'd want to consider becoming a financial planner, maybe as a retirement job, like a part-time job, which is a pretty common thing for people to do. Yeah. So I was getting tired of what I was doing as a day job. And I approached him and said, I would like to maybe think about making a career change and becoming a financial planner now. And he was very enthusiastic, got me connected with some of his bosses. And I went through job interviews and, and uh, learned more about the profession. And then two things happened. One was my wife came to me and said, we're about to have a brand new baby, uh, which was a very pleasant surprise for us. Um, and the other thing that happened was, uh, the company that I was interviewing with, uh, reached out to me completely separately on LinkedIn and said, we're looking for a software developer in Minneapolis, uh, to come and work for our company in it. Uh, Would you be interested? So (laughs) the, the, um, 
the idea of making a career change and raising a brand new baby and being up all night and stuff didn't sound like the most wonderful thing in the world to me. (laughs) Uh, The timing just didn't seem right. And it looked like there was the opportunity for me to learn some things about being a financial planner by working for a financial services company Mm -hmm. and still doing what I was trained to do. So I ended up taking that software development job and at the same time, putting effort into learning about financial planning and financial education, which is the thing that I was really interested in. Right. Um, and I started a website and I needed a name for the website. And I, I was thinking that I probably would start to do some blogging and start to put up some educational pages and maybe produce a podcast. And I wasn't really sure, yeah. honestly, what I was going to do, but, uh, those were things that I knew how to do, at least somewhat. So um, that's what I was thinking. And I needed a name for it. And I was kind of kicking around the idea of, you know, what would work well with financial guidance or financial education. And I really hit upon this idea of financial guidance. And I'm a guide dog user. I've, I'm have i on my oh, fourth yeah. dog now. Uh-huh. His name is Javier. Javier. And um, I started to think of the idea of like, a financial educator um, is almost like a financial version of a guide dog where, you know, he's not really going to tell you what to do or how to do it, but he's going to help you to find the way. Um, right. Yeah. So, so then I was thinking, well, how can I incorporate guide dogs into this name? And just one day the idea of, well, what if my guide dog's name was Penny or something like that? Well, then, oh. then I would have to say Penny forward. <laughs> and that's, that's right. Really how the name popped into my head. I love that. I love that. I love that. And so tell us how how it all works. Does it cost anything or like how does how does the whole process work? Yeah, so we've evolved a lot since the website was initially launched in 2020. Uh we started out providing everything for free. Uh, We wrote some blogs. We launched a podcast in the beginning of uh, 2021. um, And we've produced, oh, something like 60 podcast uh, episodes since then uh, on various blindness and financial related topics. And we're still doing that. So you can access those services for free on our website, pennyforward.com. But we've also launched a membership program. So for $9 a month or $99 a year, you can sign up at pennyforward.com and join the Penny Forward community. Mm, And when you do that, you get access to online courses that we have built and are continuing to build. We also hold weekly members-only group chats where we cover a financial topic in, in a small amount of detail and talk about the financial news of the week and uh, give people a chance to to talk about things that are on their minds. Um, and then we uh, also offer uh, early access to our Penny Forward podcast, which has been very popular. Um, you can get our podcast episodes a week early if you pay for that membership. Nice. Uh, and we put out a weekly newsletter letting you know that all that stuff is out there and and uh, so you can keep track of it by email. Finally, we've started offering one-to-one financial counseling. Um, this is where you can meet with, it started out as just me, 
I now have two other volunteers that have, have started to offer financial counseling as well. You can meet with us and it can be just a one-time thing if you want to ask some questions or it can be a, a longer term thing where maybe you want to learn how to develop a budget and then you want some some coaching to kind of help you stick with it until it really clicks in your mind um, or anywhere in between. And we started kind of doing that as as just an ad hoc thing that we're just going to offer that uh, from people that feel comfortable with uh, providing those kinds of services. Um, but we're now starting to study for certifications that uh, will accredit us to be actually qualified as financial counselors. Um, we've been working with something called the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education. Oh, that's a mouthful. Uh, uh, it is a mouthful. Um, so we call them AFCPE because that's way easier. We've been working with AFCPE to train three accredited financial counselors, myself and, and two other blind people. And while we've been going through the training, we're also providing feedback to them about the accessibility of the training process and eventually the accessibility of the exam process in hopes that we can uh, smooth the road for other blind people to go into financial counseling as a career at some point in the future. So that's really exciting for us. We started that in January and and uh, are about six weeks into the study process right now. We hope to take our exams in the summer. And uh, uh, then we'll not only be able to do a financial counseling work for blind people, but we'll also be able to um, be referred uh, people from the general public through AFCPE, uh, oh, wonderful. which will help us out a lot too. Wonderful. Chris, this, I mean, it's just so exciting to me because I, I had, um, insight on, um, a few weeks ago and they're part of the, um, oh, I'm going to blow the name, uh, blindness. Uh, it's the program that the federal program that's been around since the 1950s that, kind of set up the so that blind people could learn in the beginning it was small tasks like you know making brooms and um uh, why can i not remember the name uh too much cold i guess is but anyway we talked about with him and so this it's in site um mm -hmm. is the name of their organization and they're more about the independent companies where the other side is more federal programs. And mm -hmm. we talked about unemployment rate and, and I, I know I'm sure you're aware of it. It's still hovering at that 70% for blind and visually impaired people. Do you, and then I've also talked with people about how do blind people, you know, sort of leap into getting a job in the first place? Cause I feel like the government sort of sets us up to accept poverty as a blind person. You know, they they give us the Social Security check once a month. They give us, you know, all these government programs that keeps us at that poverty level. But yet, if you get a job, you it's this giant leap. It's like, what do you guys talk about that? And how do you break that? cycle of being on these government programs 
to making the leap into financial security. And because um, the one thing that I was discussing with a few people the other night, actually, about Penny Forward is if somebody is on such a small income, how do they even think about um, something like savings? Do you, do you guys go into any of that? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's incredibly important. Um, because finances are one of the reasons why, and sometimes it's a big reason why people are hesitant to take that leap in the first place. Mm -hmm. As an example, um, I worked with somebody who was working for a blindness organization, um, you know, kind of one of these, uh, one of these organizations that does, uh, uh, braille transcription and stuff. Right. And he was being paid about $8 an hour and they were they were kind of a very very flexible with his work schedule so if he worked long enough hours that it was looking like he was approaching the uh $2000 limit for social security right. they would let him go home and have him stay home till the end of the month and and then have him come back and and keep working and so forth and and that's the way a lot of people in this organization worked is they worked just enough so that they could make extra money and also keep their government benefits and also have access to subsidized housing and and stuff. Um, Well, he ended up getting offered a very lucrative job opportunity outside of his home state. And it was going to mean two things. One, it was going to mean that if he, if he took it, he was going to have to move out of state and that was going to be expensive and two, it was going to mean that he was going to end up dropping off of government benefits and needing to pay for non-subsidized housing and, and right. so forth. It's huge. And yeah. It's it a, is huge. It's a cliff. What if, <laughs> it's a cliff. And what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. So we talk about that. What if it doesn't work out? And how do you how do you navigate that? One of the ways to navigate that is is that, first of all, if you're you're receiving social security and you do decide to start working uh depending on the program that you are participating in, in there is a 9 month trial period where your benefits will not change no matter what you're making for the first 9 months and and that's designed to give you a chance to see if the job is going to work out right is that called ticket Ticket to work is, is there something like that? Uh, there is a ticket to work program, and and uh, that is kind of part of that ticket to work is, okay. is that trial period. Yes. Okay. Um. So we talk about that, but but then if you are working, and let's say you've been working for five or ten years, and then maybe you lose your job for some reason, or or you have to stop working for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well. Then you have a six-month waiting period that you enter into before you can apply for Social Security benefits again. Mm. Um, and if the job didn't work out and say you you had been working for, say, two or three years um, and you lost your job, uh, Social Security will expedite your reinstatement of benefits so you can get back on on them quicker. But if you've been working for a long time, the maximum that you're supposed to have to wait is is six months. Okay. 
supposed to, meaning that Social Security is behind on their applications. And so some people end up waiting a lot longer for their applications to be processed by Social Security. And then they end up getting a big uh, chunk of back pay when they uh, when their applications are approved. Right. So we talk about why then it's important to set aside savings while you're working yeah. so that if that happens to you, you have a, a way to navigate that gap. Wow. Um, but we also talk about why it's important to save um, while you're receiving benefits. And there are ways to do this, although it, you're maybe not going to get rich off of it. Um, but uh, in the example of my friend who had to move a- across state lines, he was trying to figure out how he was going to pay for two or three thousand dollars in moving expenses that he was right. going to get reimbursed for when he got to the to the new job. Right, but he had to pay for it first, um, and didn't have credit cards and stuff that would would cover all that. In his case, he ended up uh, getting some help from friends and family and, and, uh, setting up a GoFundMe and, and stuff in order to, to make it work. But it is incredibly possible to save something like two or $3,000, even when you're very low income and having that money there to take advantage of those kinds of opportunities or to be able to, to, uh, cover those things that just, come up from time to time right. is very, very useful. And uh, um, we can do it by setting aside some of our our uh, payments from Social Security. Maybe we're working part-time and we can take some of that part-time income and set it aside. And over time, it grows um, very slowly. But right. we also, you know, especially if our families know that we're doing this um, and understand why, uh, can sometimes receive support from our families mm-hmm. um, in the form of gifts and, and stuff that can, can kind of give us a leg up. Right. Um, and I've found that families are more inclined to give in that way if they really see that you're you're delivering on kind of what you set out to do. If you're right. if they see that you're maybe you're you're looking for a full time job, but you found a part time one and you and you started to. Uh, to do a little bit of work or you tell them how your savings progress is going. Maybe, you know, you, you let people know, Hey, you know, I got to this milestone of I've got $500 saved now yeah. towards this thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a way that uh, gets people to sort of be in your corner and want to, want to give you a hand. Absolutely. I, I mean, I know how hard it is when you kind of get stuck in that cycle, and especially when society says, and they make it easy, they make it really easy for people who are blind to be poor, um, yep. you know, and scary to to take that leap. And I just love what you are doing because you are taking it from, you know, that basic, that those first steps all the way through, you know, somebody like you know, me, cause I, I'm, I want to become a member and I'm financially sound now. And I have a, I have a great job. Um, and I, and I'm very stable, but I, I still struggle, you know, like, like savings and, and just some of those things I, I've never been taught how to save money. I've never been taught how to budget, you know, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm okay about it, but like you mentioned, when something comes up, you know, like, oh, we might need a new furnace. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's like, well, 
And it's interesting, Chris, during COVID, I I think it was because, well, I, I got laid off like most of the world, um, lost my job, and, and it took me about a not quite a year. It took me about nine months to, um, to get a new job. But during that time, I saved so much money. So by the end of COVID and when I got my new job, I had this incredible nest egg. And I look back at that and it's like, what was, what was different? And part of it was I was scared to death. You know, it's like, I didn't know where, when I was going to get my next job. And so and I'm like, well, Penn, it shouldn't take that fear to get you to save. It should, it yeah. should, it should become part of just what you do each month. And and I've gotten kind of lazy about it, you know. It's like, oh, you know, ski season. I'd like a new helmet. I'd like new goggles, things like that. And um, I've kind of gotten out of that habit that I really was very strict with when during COVID that I was doing and I, and I need to get back to that. So I think it's just so incredible what, what you are doing and your, and your team is doing. And I also want to say that I am, I'm so thrilled that you are bringing onto your team, other blind people, because you're sort of, it's full circle with you, right? Like you're actually potentially giving blind people jobs and 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 those people are teaching other people how to do finances can you give like just some basic first steps for people out there that have never like this is brand new to them like i've i i don't know how to save or i don't know how to do a budget like what are some of those first steps that that people could do out there the first step is to start paying attention to what you're doing now Mm-hmm. Um, write down all of the ways that you get paid, all of your paychecks, any, any income you get from side hustles, um, gifts that you, that you receive at Christmas time, birthdays, you know, whatever holidays you ce- celebrate, um, things like this, uh, write those down and write down all of your bills. Um, and not just your bills, but where you spend money on, on other things, you know, when you, when you go shopping, uh, when you buy lunch at work, when you buy coffee on your way to work, uh, when you get fast food, all of this, you know, keep track of it. Um, and some of this can be very easy to keep track of because you can download this stuff from your bank. Mm-hmm. You're right, and uh, and look at it. Sometimes going back to the beginning of time or the beginning of when you opened your bank account, and and uh, what you're looking for is you're looking for for um, patterns. It's really easy for us to know how much we spend on bills that stay the same every month. Our rent or our mortgage is usually the same for an entire year or more. Um, utilities tend to be about the same for most people. Uh, although sometimes some utilities become more expensive, uh, in, in different seasons. Um, but then it's harder to budget for things like groceries and personal care items and clothes and things like that, that you sort of need and sort of also want, and they fall into this gray area. So you're looking for some, some ways to, to find patterns about how much am I spending on, on these things that I really need, um, 
and how much am I spending on things that I just that I could live without, but I I just want. Right. Uh, once you've done that, then make a plan to make changes, and they don't have to be big changes. Uh, they can be s- small changes, like I am going to uh, step down to the nine dollar a month net. Netflix subscription instead of the $15 a month mm-hmm. Netflix subscription because I can live with seeing the ads or I only need one person watching at a time. Um, but then I can put that extra $5 a month into into savings. And, and then review that plan month to month to month and see now, am I am I sticking to my plan? Is the plan not working for me? And if the plan's not working for me, make little, little adjustments until it does. Um, but also, uh, make little adjustments to to take out the the things that you uh, maybe are are not living without. And it doesn't have to be taking things away completely. It can be just cutting the costs of things. Mm, yeah. um, maybe. A different brand of laundry soap is half the price of the one that you're using and works for you just as well. Or maybe, since we're talking about government programs, uh, some of those things offer us some great opportunities. The Affordable Connectivity Program, for example, allows low-income people to get uh, their internet service for free if they get an inexpensive plan, but even somebody that's not low income like me, I was able to get a $30 a month internet plan because of the affordable connectivity program, which saved me $55 a month because my old plan was costing me 85 bucks a month. And I barely noticed the difference. It's theoretically a slower plan than what I was having before, but Man, I I have a family of four, and none of us has noticed any any difference wow. in what we've been able to do. Um, wow. Cell phones, you can you can find discount cell phone carriers. They're they're not your name brand Verizon or T Mobile or or AT and T, but they're companies that are called uh, um, mobile virtual network operators or MVNOs. They have names like Mint Mobile and uh, Cricket Wireless and Visible by Verizon. Some of these are even run by the big carriers, but they all run on the big carriers' networks. Mm. But they cost so much less. My cell phone bill right now is $15 a month. Wow. Can I ask what carrier that you're using? Um, I'm using Visible by, Visible by Verizon, um, and I'm currently on an introductory rate. It's going to go up to 30 uh, $30 a month after six months. Yeah, but still. Uh, but e- even at $30 a month, we have three cell phone lines in our house. We were paying $140 a month yeah. for those three cell phone lines. And by switching to Visible, we're now going to be paying $90 a month after we get out of this inter- this uh, introductory period. Wow. So, uh, you know, just by making changes like that, we're not losing anything. Right. We still have the same service, but we're saving so much money and and we can direct that money then into our savings account. And uh, just by those two examples, um, $50 a month saved on cell phones, $55 a month saved on internet. Now I'm putting away $105 a month into my savings. Right. That's 
over $1,200 a year. Um, and if I can find other ways to save, uh, then I can put even more money away. And that money can be used for taking advantage of opportunities, for buying a new ski helmet, <laughs> yeah. um, for uh, for going to a no barriers summit or, or something. Or uh, they can be used for more ambitious goals like buying a, a condominium or a home right? Uh, or starting a business or getting an education to, to learn a skill that's going to help you to make more money. And that's really the goal is, is um, not to, not to just save for saving sake, but to have money that you can use then for things that, you previously would have said, well, I can't afford that because I don't have the money. Right. Wow. Yeah. And all of that seems like attainable things. Um, I think sometimes when like you hear these ads and stuff about how to save and you're like, that is way beyond <laughs> what I think I can do. But I think these like you said, these smaller steps, like, you know, saving a few dollars here or there and that like I, I've learned, I didn't know about these, these two different programs with the internet and the the cell phones. I'm definitely going to be checking those out because I think no matter, like right now, like I said, I'm financially stable, but it, it does, you know, I've gotten lazy about saving money and, you know, it's like, oh, well, I can afford it. I'll just do it. I don't need to look at the price tag or whatever. And um, which is silly of me. I did want to ask you, Chris, about because you, where should you save your money? So should you just put it in a regular savings account in your bank or are there other better places to put that extra money? Yeah, and this is something that we talk about uh at at Penny Forward as well because uh it, it the answer is is it depends. Mm. Um if you are going to want to use it say in the next year or two and you're really depending on it being there, well then a, a savings account at your bank might be the right place for it, but even then uh, a savings account earns you some small amount of interest when you have money set aside in it. And not all savings accounts are created equal. Um, some banks offer what are called high-yield savings accounts that pay way more interest than the national average. And by signing up for one of those, you might be able to make your money grow for you a little bit more um, at, at very little risk to you. Okay. And then there are investments, um, bonds and stocks. Bonds are uh, contracts where you're essentially loaning money to a, a company or to the government, and then they'll pay it back to you with some interest. They're not sexy. They're not going to get you rich quick, but they uh, are going to, in a lot of cases, earn you more interest than um, a, a high-yield savings account would. Stocks are um, partial ownership in companies, and stocks can grow in value very quickly if if a company is is very successful. Uh, think of a company like Facebook or Amazon or Google. 
Right. Um, but also little companies that you maybe never have heard of. And all of a sudden they just like pop out of nowhere. Like my kids started playing Roblox a few years ago and Roblox is a company that, uh, you can buy stock in. And, uh, you know, while Roblox was like a major thing, their, their stock was, was very popular and people could make money off of it. But also, uh, when you have ownership in companies like this, some of those companies pay what are called dividends back to their owners. And so I can buy stocks in companies uh, like Verizon Wireless that will send me a check once a quarter simply for being an owner of the company as long as they're doing well. Right, And that check might be higher when they make more money and it might be lower when they make less money, but, uh, but it is a check. Um, and over time, if you buy more and more of a company like Verizon, and I need to caution people that I'm not recommending Verizon as a, <laughs> uh, a as a particular investment choice. I'm, I'm using it as an example here that everybody has probably heard of, Right, but over time, if you buy more and more Verizon, Maybe with the dividend checks that you are receiving from Verizon, those dividend checks are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as you start to own more and more shares of their stock. Right. And you can get to a point where you can live off of those dividend checks alone. Wow. If you, if you spend a lot of time buying their stock. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. Right. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Some people, <laughs> most people work their entire lives from age 20 to say age 65 or 67 or so uh, and put away a little bit each, each month or every couple of weeks into investments like this. But it allows them when they turn 65 to retire and live entirely off of the income from their investments and from also maybe a social security check that they happen to be getting along the way. But what's even more exciting to me is that there are people that are really aggressive about this, um, that intentionally put aside very large percentages of their income when they're young and maybe they don't have kids yet. Maybe they can stand to live in a two-bedroom apartment instead of a five-bedroom house. Right. And and maybe they're okay with living in uh in a less valuable neighborhood. So they put maybe half of their income or more into investments. And after 10 or 15 years, so maybe they're 30 years old or 35, they're able to retire. Right. And live off of their investment income and also raise families. Wow. And go on trips and do all kinds of fun things from the time they're 35 all the way until the time they're they're dead if they want to. Right. A lot of people do that and it's there's a movement call it called FIRE. It stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Oh. And people do this. Um, successfully all the time, but there are some people that only go part way and maybe they, they set aside a lot of, of their income when they're young, 
to savings. And then that allows them to go and work at a more fun job when they're older, or maybe work part-time and raise their kids when they're older, or maybe start a nonprofit organization and uh, help uh, people in their community, even though that's not the highest paying gig in the world, right. instead of going and working for a big company and, and being, uh, you know, being kind of stomped on all the time, uh, because uh, you're not working hard enough. Right, right, right. So there's lots of options. That's what I love. And I, I am really yeah. excited to join join Penny Forward as a member. Um, and then the web and then your podcast, they can, I'm guessing everybody can listen to that on wherever they listen to podcasts, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Uh, just search for Penny Forward. Okay. And you'll find it. But again, if you sign up, the podcast comes out every two weeks. Um, so if you sign up as a member, then you also get uh, access to every podcast episode a week early. Nice. Um, so you can kind of hear like the latest one we uh, just put out is uh, all about how to save money on your cell phone. Wonderful. Um, and uh, that will be available next Tuesday for the the general public for free. Wow. Uh, but if if you're a member, you would be you would have been listening to it already on Tuesday. Well, and the $99 for the year membership, that will like if you do a couple of these tricks that you tips that you said, that would easily pay for it. So it's Absolutely. That's that's, that's where my brain is going. Well, yeah. Chris, I always I've been asking you a million questions. I always ask my guests and give them the opportunity to ask me a question. Do you have a question? That you'd like to ask me? Yeah, I've been thinking about that real, real hard. Actually, I uh, I really enjoyed meeting you last year, and oh, um, I remember we uh, we sat together at lunch and talked yes. quite a quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're a guide dog user. Your dog's name is Beethoven. Yes. Um, is is he your first dog or or what is your uh, feeling about guide dogs uh, do you prefer that over cane travel i do prefer thank you i i will talk forever about guide dogs um but yeah beethoven he just turned 10 he's a standard poodle and i i it's hard for me to imagine myself without a guide dog but my life has changed my career has changed so i i said this actually before I got Beethoven. I was like, you know, maybe I don't, maybe I should just go back to being a cane user, but just circumstances happen. And and he came into my life when I needed him and, but I'm doing it again. You know, he's getting older. He's beginning to slow down a little. And, um, you know, I, I, it's that, you know, thought of, well, should I go get another guide dog or not. But every it's strange, Chris, because everybody associates me with being with a standard poodle because of my syndrome. I have to have a hypoallergenic dog. And mm -hmm. I did not have a guide dog until I was, you know, in my adulthood because I thought they were all labs and German shepherds. So, mm. um, but once I, people shared with me that, no, 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 there's certain schools that have standard poodles. So I, I, I've been a guide dogger guide dog user ever since i love the freedom that a guide dog gives me i feel like i walk faster um and i'm more likely to 
travel independently with a guide dog. Um, I love that friendship and that companionship that I get with a guide dog. Um, but they are, they're a lot of work, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I, I get up earlier in the morning and, you know, he's the last thing that I take care of when I go to bed, you know, and your dad, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a mom, I'm actually a Nana now, but, um, they, they are a lot of work. And for me, it's worth that that work. But when I've had little periods where I've been without a guide dog, I felt like I had all this extra time on my hand that I didn't know what to do with. So, well, Chris, thank you so much for being on Aftersight. I'm, I, I personally have learned a ton today and I know everybody out there, all our listeners all around the world are, are, I'm sure they're taking notes like I was doing during what you were talking about. Um, so thank you so much. And I, I can't wait to become a member and then also just follow all the new things that you're doing with Penny Forward. So, and we will put the link, um, pennyforward.com in the podcast notes. And you can always reach out to Audio Information Network of Colorado. And we also have all those links on, you know, on our side as well. So, Chris, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And um, I hope the sun keeps shining on you there in Minnesota. Well, thank you, Penn. It was great to be here. And it was great to meet up with you again. Absolutely. Are you going to be at the summit in August? I I hope to be. Awesome. Um, it's hard to think that far ahead, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, far. Okay. Well, hopefully you'll be out and who knows, maybe we can go skiing together sometime. That would be great too. Um, yeah. Well, well, thank you, Chris. And I always, I want to thank Audio Information Network of Colorado. They're the ones that do the hard work um, on the backside. I get to do the fun stuff and get to talk to amazing people like Chris, but they're the ones that really put the hard work into Aftersight, you know, in our other podcasts like Blindsight Topic of the Month, and then our new one that's coming out, which is Blind Level Tech with Evan Starnes and Jonathan Price. So definitely look for those. Um, and uh, it's been a great week. Um, I hope all of you um, continue your journeys on a, on a path that's, you know, fulfilling to your life and your needs. I also want to give a shout out to the Colorado Lions for supporting the White Cane Project. Um, and go to our website if you'd like to learn more about that at aincolorado.org. And remember to be kind to yourselves this week and find a way to be kind to someone else. It's good for your soul. And I will see you all next week.